Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and a little bit of a Christmas hangover for the Knicks. They lose 129 to 120 to the Oklahoma City Thunder in the turnover battle and the fast break battle. And all in all, just a really scary young team kind of swung this one Oklahoma City's way. We're going to talk about it next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA, L O C K E D O N N B A. Uh, for a first deposit match up to $100. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that auto-download button on your favorite podcast app or the notification bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode because we are here for you guys five times a week, typically. This week was a holiday week, so it might only be four. But, you know, typically five times a week. You know, I find that too many other places. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And your New York Knicks lost this game 129 to 120 to the Oklahoma City Thunders, starting a new road trip. Feels like the other one just ended, Gavin. Uh, but Nick's back on the road again. On the road again. Just can't wait to get all that. Uh, <laughs> just can't wait to get home again. They're going to have a lot more home games in the second half of the season, which will be nice. But, uh, Gavin, I thought this was a pretty tough one. This is a pretty tough matchup for the Knicks. Like, it, this Thunder team is not particularly long, and they actually play quite small. But this is a team that could just shoot the lights out, uh, and they really did that against the Knicks on top of the fact that they just have a ton of athletes and a ton of tough shot makers and somehow their average age is only like 22 years old. Uh, I don't understand how this team exists and is so good at this particular stage, but they're kind of all taking a leap at once, and they kind of just took a leap right over the Knicks in this game by and large. Yeah, look, they're 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 absurdly talented. Top 10 offense, top 10 defense. Um, the, Their metrics, I haven't looked in a while, they might even be better than that. 20 and 9, I think that's about the fourth best record in basketball, maybe the third best record in basketball right now. Like they're, they're legit. Like we have enough of a sample size to say um, if, if you don't want to go so far as to consider them legitimate NBA championship contenders, given that I'm pretty sure no one other than Davis Bertans on their team has won a playoff series in their career. Like I'm, I'm open to hearing that, but they are really freaking good. And, and the Knicks bore the brunt of it in a game where they were dominated in, in the turnover battle. That is the number that was emphasized in the broadcast all night, the number that stood out to me all night. The Knicks had 18 of them. Oklahoma City had four. Um, that That's that's the game right there. Like, it's, I, I think I think it's almost as simple as that. Like, you could look at the fact that Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Jalen Williams absolutely cooked them for a combined 72 points, and we can get into that as much as you want. But despite it, the Knicks offense is playing so well right now, Alex. They still would have had a chance to win, but hard to survive when Jalen Brunson in fairly sloppy game by his standards has five turnovers. RJ Barrett has five turnovers, including a truly 
backbreaking play. That was the same exact one when they had the four on one fast break against the Bucks, where he just blindly runs into someone on a fast break. You can't be doing that, RJ. Um, Julius Randle sloppy in the first half, cleaned it up a bit in the second half, but had moments of real laziness, including one that kind of was was the dagger for OKC, where he was arguing call, didn't get back on defense. Jalen Williams, in turn, hit a wide open three to give the Thunder a 116 to 106 lead that they would never relinquish. The Knicks had moments of of, of real valiance. That, that's not a word. They were ve- they were very valiant in this game at points. Um, they tied it up at 81 after trailing by 17 in the first half. They fought. They clawed. IQ was awesome. Heart was awesome. But Alex, again, hard to overcome. That big of a turnover differential on the road against one of the best teams in the NBA. At the end of the day, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I really got it. I mean, we should probably get into the the Knicks specific talk a little more soon, but like, I got a shout out too, man. Like this, the the like big three that OKC is trotting out there right now of SGA, Holmgren, and Jalen Williams is really scary, man. Like, yeah, like Jalen Williams. When I was watching him play, I was like, this is like if <laughs> like at least the way he played in this game. I understand, you know, he's still young, so he's still working things out. But the way that he was able to play in this game, I was like, wow, this is pretty much if you took Jalen Brunson, made him a few years younger. And much larger of a human yeah. being. And he could have been a Nick, Alex. And he could have been uh. a Nick if they had not <laughs> made those moves last year. You know, but it's not. And, and they probably game. wouldn't have wouldn't have taken him. We should. They, uh, you know. Supposedly they were kind of interested in him, though. That's oh, okay. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, there was there, there was interest there, but they have not, apparently not enough interest to actually pull the trigger there. Um. So yeah, the tough stuff. Walt Perrin is shaking his fist at the sky after this game. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was, he was crazy. SGA is just a nonsensically good basketball player and Chet Holmgren, man, for as much as been made about Wemby this year, like Chet Holmgren is a real spectacle to watch too. He's just like a little bit shorter. So he's only like normal seven foot footer proportions, but I mean, his handle is fantastic. He's just, oh man, this, okay. See, I'm, I'm quite jealous. It's a very, very yeah. talented team. And this is considering they didn't even play like some of their other like Usman Jang, I believe, is injured for them right now, or is he just straight up not playing with them? I don't know. He was in the rotation, so I assume he's hurt. But yeah, either way, I mean, that's another guy that they invested a, a good pick in, and all of a sudden, like, crazy team there. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you with the Knicks. Like, it was, it came down to the turnovers. Like the the early part of the game, you know, Randall only finished with three turnovers on the books, but I thought that he was focusing a little too hard on. Try, like this looked on paper like a matchup that he should have been able to dominate and like get inside and and you know really assert as well but he did do more of that in the second half which i appreciated but in the first half he seemed a little too concerned with getting his own shots up and that led to like double teams triple teams that was leading to you know kind of sloppy possessions uh because he was just holding on to it for too long trying to figure out what to do and okc was crashing and even if they're not the tallest, longest team, they're very fast and and they have like they clearly target wingspans and stuff because they can get hands all over the place, poke the ball out. I mean, RJ Barrett turned it over five times as well. Jalen Brunson turned it over five times. It's just it's not a recipe for success if you're having that many balls poked away from you and you're not doing it to the other team either, which OKC to their credit played an extremely crisp game on the other end and just had a, a formula to beat the Knicks, basically, which was Get inside, kick it out, swing, swing, swing. Every single player on this team can shoot a three, so they're screwed. And that was it. And and that was kind of the story of the game ultimately. But it was a tough one for the Knicks, but a, a really bad matchup. You know, sort of like that we say that the 
the Toronto Raptors are always sort of a bad matchup for the Knicks because they're super lengthy and, you know, can bother them on the inside and stuff like that. This Thunder team, I think, was a bad matchup for the Knicks because the Knicks like to slow it down a decent amount. And those times when they did slow it down, OKC just swarmed them and they were too fast and too handsy for the Knicks to overcome. Yeah, they 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 basically made a bet that they were going to go small when Chet was off the floor and, and Julius and, and Hardenstein couldn't hurt them enough to make them pay for that. And ultimately, they won that bet. Um, and, and essentially what they're prioritizing doing that is saying we are always going to have a wide open paint for whether it was Jalen Williams or whether it was Shea Gildas Alexander to go and attack. And if the paint's wide open and you don't have great perimeter defenders, which the Knicks just don't. Like those guys are going to end up with something like 36 points. And I know it was a career high for Jalen Williams, but it tells you, and we're going to get into this a little bit more in the third segment. We talk about if the Knicks are going to need some lineup changes, whether or not this is a fatal flaw for the Knicks against um, great teams and particularly great offenses. Spoiler alert. I think it is because they, they just have no chance guarding one-on-one in the perimeter. If they can't station a shot blocker right at the rim, when Chet's out there, obviously you have to respect him. When Chet wasn't out there, they literally just went like five wide. They're playing Kenrich Williams. Who's, what is he, like 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, like Jalen Brunson's posting up at one point. It didn't look like there was a huge height difference there. Um, and in the first half, they did such a good job sending doubles at Julius Randle. It's, it's been the formula since the Hawks series. And Julius at times made really good decisions. Like I wrote down in my notes, like first two times he was double teams, he made smart, quick passes. I think both of them either led to buckets or free throws or open shots for the Knicks. And then he had a few turnovers in a row. In the second half, for the most part, he was better. And the Knicks offense, look, they scored 120 points in this game. That, that really wasn't the issue. It was just what Mark Dagnall essentially gambled on was that the Knicks would just have zero chance at stopping the Thunder on the other end. And the Knicks would stop themselves enough that it just wouldn't matter. And when you have 18 turnovers, that is exactly what happened. Uh, Alex, I, I want to get into um, a little bit more on Julius Randle. Some great stuff, I thought, from Emmanuel Quickly and Josh Hart in terms of carrying the Knicks back into this game. But first, I, 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 need, I need to know how to get some parts for my car, man. Where do I go? Yeah, well, luckily, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks of the week all season long. So, if you want auto parts or you want great fantasy advice, eBay Motors has got you covered both ways. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And I'm going to pick a guy that in my fantasy league, I feel like a genius for grabbing him off the waiver wire and playing in a 10-team, 9-cat league. And uh, I, I feel like I've been doing a good job of sort of churning my IL spots this year, picking up guys to stash and, you know, bring back later. I, I did that with Wendell Carter. Been a little bit of a mixed result so far, but just picked up Jalen Johnson and that paid dividends right away when he first came back. Uh, and Josh has to say, if Jalen Johnson was dropped in your league, make sure you grab him now as he's returning from injury and his first game back, he almost put up a double double. Uh, almost had like 10, 10, and 5, uh, plus I think a steal or two. So he's going to fill up those stack categories for you. Uh, as much as I dislike Atlanta and the Hawks, uh, Jalen Johnson was a great pickup for them in the draft uh, last year, two years ago, whenever that was. And he's finally starting to pay dividends. So Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That's the same with your vehicle. So if you have, so if you've ever like tried to to get parts for your car, it can be sort of frustrating sometimes. Whether you have to go into a store, 
uh, or just be hitting Google like crazy and you're at like Walmart, which isn't really an auto parts store. And you're like, oh, how good is this park going to be? Uh, you know, and, and it makes life a little difficult as far as trying to do things on your own for your car. But that's where eBay's guaranteed fit comes in. And their website is super helpful uh, as far as trying to find parts for your car. I, I love it. I've done it. I bought a couple parts when I had my Subaru Forester. I was buying parts for that. Now I drive a Toyota Prius because I got a long commute. So I got to save on that gas mileage. And I bought a couple vanity parts for that off eBay Motors. And everything is fit perfectly thanks to the guaranteed fit. So with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Gavin, we're back in. Continuing to talk through this game. Uh, again, 129 to 120. It, I honestly feel like the, the final score betrays just how not close this game was down the stretch. Like the Knicks did manage to tie it, like you said, 81-81, but things really fell apart down the stretch of this one. Um, and, you know, maybe the guy to focus in on with that is Julius Randle. Uh, like on paper, had a pretty solid game, right? Like 25 points, nine boards, two assists, uh, three turnovers, which, you know, again, is not that high, although it felt like it was more. I mean, you and I, when we when we were like getting ready to record, we were like, he only had three. Like it felt like more, uh, just based off how things went. But as you mentioned, especially in the second half, he seemed to get switch into ref complaining mode. You know, maybe it's just being up against a younger team like that. You figure, like, well, I'm gonna get lots of calls this game. And he certainly got, I mean, he shot 13 free throws in this game. So it's not like he got no calls. Uh, he was he was earning them, he was getting inside, particularly in the second half. I thought he did a better job of reading the doubles and triples a little better, too. And getting the ball moving when he had to, but also did zero in a little too hard on just trying to get in to the to the hoop once or twice. And I don't know. I thought it was a very mixed bag effort from him. But what was your sort of takeaway uh, as far as Julius is concerned in this one? I, I, I guess the same thing. I, it was kind of what I was getting at last segment where he just wasn't quite decisive enough in the first half. And I think it's it's sometimes easy to put that all on Julius. Like the cutting has to be there when he's double teamed. Like guys have to make themselves available. And it's not just on Julius to to make a brilliant read every single time. So it, it's multifaceted. Um, but I, I just saw it like as well as he played offensively, like there were there's some meat left on the bone just because they were so small. And I think Julius has the ability to pretty much single-handedly force teams out of that. And and it just it it feels a little bit more awkward than it should feel in, in year five of him here. And again, that's not totally on Julius. I, I just sort of think it's the roster, but I also think it's on Tibbs and just getting to the right lineups around him. Like I really liked in the second quarter when it was IQ Grimes, Hart, Randall, and iHeart, because I think that's a group that can have a lot of success around Randall because you're, you're pairing him with guys who are good cutters, who can make quick decisions for the most part can hit threes. Um, and, and it's a little bit harder when the starters are out there and RJ is kind of a non-shooter to do that. And Oklahoma city over and over and over again, when they were having those double teams, like they were helping off of RJ Barrett and they were leaving RJ Barrett open and RJ who played like, if, if I can transition into him a little bit, like an awesome second quarter in this game, like I, wow, blew me away what he was doing offensively. It's like the sheer 
force he was playing with, like the one play where he had the inside spin move into the hezzy to draw the foul. Like, like he was just like aggressive in, in a way that you rarely see from him play after play after play. And he was making great decisions off it, really good passes. And then the second half that just, that just sort of went away. And it's kind of, it's kind of been the story of RJ these last two games. And, and for, honestly, like since he came back from the injury where he's not, he's not putting complete games together, Alex, and he's having great quarters um, and sometimes great halves, but it's, it's almost never a great, like complete game for him. And, and you have to include in his grade on the night. The fact that again, Jalen Williams went off for a career high. And as I noted before that, that isn't all on RJ Barrett, right? Like there are different plays where there are different guys matched up with him. And it's the fact that you don't have Mitchell Robinson in terms of rim protection. It's the fact that with how Oklahoma city is playing, you don't even have a center at the rim most times. And that makes it really hard to guard, but Jalen Williams cooked him 13 to 17, five of five from three. And, and again, just, just not enough from Barrett in the second half of this game. Yeah. I, I was going to compliment RJ's second quarter too. I mean, that was like, it was reminiscent of how he played in the first quarter the other day against Milwaukee, yeah. where he was just giving them everything they needed. was getting to the basket, you know, was finishing through contact. You know, he had like one sort of ugly miss on like what was kind of a bunny uh, around the rim. But other than that, but Hardenstein had a really nice little tap in off of that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I thought that he was manipulating the defense well. He was, you know, getting in. He was drawing some contact, even if he wasn't getting a call every single time. But things were looking kind of up. And I was like, especially after the first quarter, he looked terrible. I was like, OK, maybe this is just one of those games where he kind of turns it on the second half. Like that was the staple last year. Most of the time was second half RJ, you know, like you get get in that third quarter, fourth quarter, and that's when that's when the magic happens with him. And instead, it just didn't. I mean, he just didn't have it again, which is really disappointing to see that he shot, I think it was 4 of 10 his previous two games, which say whatever you will about the, the first of the two Milwaukee games, but at least, even if it was garbage time, at least some threes finally started falling, and he was up to like 40% again, and then to come back and hit one of seven in this game and just look Back to just like he's overthinking it again. I don't know. I don't know what it is with his three-point shot this year that it's gone from absolutely nuclear for the first like 15 games of the season before the migraines to now just like it looks like he's completely overthought it all over again. Um, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't in love with how he played in the second half. I did think, you know, part of the Jalen Williams thing, it's tough to put it all on RJ because it, you know, it was a tough matchup, like. That guy clearly was just going to have a career night, but there were some times where, you know, maybe if you stuck a little closer to him, you wouldn't have gone five of five from three, uh, which would have been helpful. Or maybe if you would have been more prepared for the the lean in on you, which I understand Jalen Williams has like bulked up a lot. Like he is a very, very strong looking guy, but RJ's no slouch in that department either. So, you know, being more prepared to take that kind of space clearing shoulder and contesting those mid range shots a little more like, like Williams really ate in the mid range too. Um, I think maybe a little more could have been done in that regard. So yeah, it was not my favorite RJ game either. And both he and Randall, it was like, I mean, Randall, I think you can maybe excuse it a little more because at least the final stats looked a little better at, you know, at the end, uh, even if there were some moments that don't get on the stat sheet that kind of doomed the Knicks on a few different possessions. But um RJ, it's like the eye test and the stat sheet both didn't really line up. So kind of just got to see better out of both those guys in a game like this. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm in total agreement. And and two guys who 
Um, I would say almost on like what was I don't even know how much we want to talk about because I don't have a ton to say about him, but relatively nondescript night for Jalen Brunson outside of a couple of great plays and a couple of really bad turnovers like Emmanuel quickly and Josh Hart were pretty clearly the Knicks two best players in this one. I want to get into that next. Um, but first, Alex, I want to tell everyone about our buddies over at prize picks. So you might be at home asking, what is prize picks? Well, you're in luck because I am about to tell you prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports DFS platform in North America. We're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling Thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each and every week. Prize Picks, and this is this is maybe my favorite feature, Alex. They offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So that means for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return the second, that player is rebooted. This is so incredibly rare. In fact, Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Trust me, you will feel good having that in your back. Pocket. So go to pricepicks.com slash locked in NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, that's pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use our code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks daily fantasy sports made easy. All right. So we, we a lot of negative in, in, in the first part. I, I think if we want to, we want to go positive. The remarkable part of this game is that it was a career night for Jalen Williams. It was, uh, we've been using this word a lot lately, but again, it's applicable. Like a, a typically virtuoso performance for Shea Gilgis Alexander. 36 points in 36 minutes, eight, eight assists, seven rebounds, two steals, two blocks. I know in the modern NBA, we take crazy stat lines for granted and clearly like numbers are juiced. Maybe, maybe in like 10 years ago, that's more like a 28 five and five. It was, he was totally unstoppable. He's, he's, he's an absolutely sick player. I don't even think the Knicks defended him particularly poorly. It, it is just really, really hard to keep him away from the line. He's absurd touch. He's a monster. Chet Holmgren, uh, 22 points, five rebounds, ridiculous rim protection, four blocks, altered a bunch of other ones. I honestly thought Hardenstein played good defense on him. It didn't matter. Why am I reiterating once again how good the Thunder are while, while people groan and listen? Um, it's because with that turnover differential, with those guys going off, the Knicks were in this game in the fourth quarter, and it was pretty much single-handedly because of Emmanuel Quickly and Josh Hart. You have to start with Quickly. Um, 25 minutes, 22 points. I mean, let's like let, let's just go over the game log for a second with Emmanuel Quickly, what he's been doing recently. Had 20 points in 29 minutes against the Lakers, had 19 in 24 minutes against the Nets, sucked the first Bucks game, and then came back 20 points in 22 minutes, and then 22 and 25 tonight. I mean, he's been on a nearly point per minute track four of the last five games for the Knicks. And, and tonight uh, it was, was another shining example of that um, stretch in the fourth quarter. We hit a huge three, like blew by a closeout, like with that ended in like a stumbling assist to Isaiah Hartenstein, then took advantage of a Josh Hart offensive rebound to beat his guy, hit a floater. He, he's just so on balance right now, Alex. I think at times when you see him searching for a shot, he starts kind of leaning into it and almost just like trying to catch a rhythm and, and almost shoot it as if he were on a heater and kind of trick his brain into that. Like right now, like he's just stable. He's calm. 
He's confident. He's getting more minutes next to Jalen Brunson, which I think gets him into a rhythm because he's getting open threes instead of having to create everything himself. But even in the fourth quarter when he was on the floor, like it's not as easy as it looks for Brunson, where Brunson can catch the ball and just in two seconds be right at the rim and be finishing with IQ. It's really meticulous. And at times I thought he was holding the ball too long, but the Knicks kept getting good shots out of it, whether it was for him or for someone else on the team. Like he, he had a really, really nice showing this fourth quarter. And um, I kind of hope the Knicks start him going forward. I, I know, hot take from me. I've been saying it uh, all offseason. I've been saying it for years at different times. But he's just, again, very clearly one of your three best players. And honestly, I don't think they can afford to go without his defense against the best teams in the league. Yeah, it's really funny because as you were as you were getting to the end of singing his praises for this uh, for this game, which I fully agree with all of it. I mean, I just think, I think he looks like one of the most confident in himself guys on this team right now, outside of like Jalen Brunson and maybe Julius Randle to a fault. But like, I mean, yeah. I, I think that I think IQ is just playing as good a basketball as he's ever played right now, and yet is getting fewer minutes than he was getting this time last year, which is kind of bizarre to me. Like Breen even pointed out on the broadcast, like quickly averaging five less minutes per game this year than last year. That is insane. Like the fact that a guy on the on the third year of his rookie deal was the runner up for six man of the year and probably should have won it. And then comes in the next year and gets less playing time. It just doesn't really compute with me. And so I'm with you. I think, you know, this is a good opportunity to sort of jump into our, our final discussion that we want to have here on the show of like, is it time to maybe consider a lineup change? I think it is. And I think you got to find a way to get quickly in that starting lineup. And like that might make Tibbs a little uncomfortable and it might, you know, go against his sensibilities of having like his little one for one match for every single player uh, on the court where he always wants to have like, oh, well, for Brunson, you have you have quickly. That's like a one to one match. That way you could bring quickly off the bench and maybe you play some minutes with them together. But like, you know, no matter what, one of those guys should be on the floor at all times. I don't know if he understands that if he starts both of them, that can still happen. <laughs> that you could still just time it out in a way that one of them is on the floor at any given time and that they just start and close halves together. And then in the middle, you sort of, you know, say, okay, quickly, you're going to play the whole first quarter. Brunson, you'll be one of our first, first subs when quickly goes out early second quarter or at the end of the first quarter, then Brunson comes back in so on and so forth. This doesn't seem like rocket science to me. I don't, I don't totally understand why it would be completely untenable to, to play those two together, but I think you have to, I mean, I think you're, you're not just leaving defense on the table and you're not just leaving scoring on the table. You're leaving both. Like he's, he's clearly been one of the most impactful players. If not, at least from an advanced metrics perspective, every single one of them says he's the most impactful player on the Knicks right now, pretty much like, I don't know how you're not finding more minutes for this guy. I don't know how you're not starting him. It just seems like antithetical to progress to, be continually like keeping this guy's minutes capped at like 20 to 25 minutes per game when there's some of the best 20 to 25 minutes you're getting out of any given player. Like, like for example, only two players in this game ended with a positive plus minus uh, Grimes was a, a neutral in 11 minutes at zero, but quickly was a plus two Hardenstein was a plus four. That's it. Like those are your only two guys that were, that were a, a positive in this game in the plus minus category, which, is a, a broken stat a little bit to some degree, you know, it's not perfect, but I feel like pretty well encapsulates the impact that both guys had in this game. Um, so can yeah, can I, I pro go ahead, throw go something ahead. out there real quick, Alex? So yeah. my, my proposed lineup here would be Brunson quickly, Hart, Randall, Isaiah Hardenstein, 
fifth most used Knicks lineup this season. They played 176 possessions this year compared to the um, current starting lineup. Uh, still, they played they put a little bit more than the current starting lineup. The current starting lineup this year, which is Brunson, DiVincenzo, Barrett, Randall, Isaiah Hardenstein, uh, point differential of minus 0.5 per 100 possessions, which is is not bad, right? That's, I mean, it's not, it's not good. It's like a 38th percentile lineup in the NBA. My proposed starting lineup, which has played a little bit more plus 33.5 points per hundred possessions. That is the 97th percentile lineup in the NBA. They score absurdly well. They defend exceptionally well. Um, it, and, and this isn't new last year. I, I said it like the lineups with Brunson and quickly played, some of the best offense in basketball and played fantastic, like top five level defense. And that continued into the playoffs, even though it flipped in terms of whether they were great on offense or defense. My point is like, we have a large sample size now of quickly and Brunson not only works, it dominates. And yet Tom Thibodeau just refuses to go to it because it feels uncomfortable with him. And no, he does not refuse to go to it down the stretch. And I, I, I hear him when he says, it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes. I'm going to throw a crazy thing out there, Alex. I think both things matter a lot. And I think the Knicks can compete better against the best teams in the league with Emmanuel quickly on the floor. And I think on some level, Tom Thibodeau knows that because that's how he finishes games. He just has to get it through his head that that's how he should be starting games. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of there's a couple moments I can think of in recent memory under the, under uh, the Knicks with Tibbs. For example, being forced by Jericho Sims getting injured to finally just start Isaiah Hartenstein and put your best player on the floor to start the games after Mitchell Robinson got hurt. It doesn't seem like rocket science to me to do that. And yet the Knicks were throwing out a lineup with Jericho Sims starting that honestly just was not gelling that well together and was not working because like Sims, you're putting him with a less good defensive unit that was requiring a lot of help from Mitchell Robinson and he himself is not that great on defense. And Tibbs was still, though, just like, yeah, but Hartenstein plays better with the bench. So he's got to come in with the bench. And it just made zero sense. Uh, and then it also it boggles the mind that he's this reluctant to play quickly with Brunson, like at least to start games, considering he spent so much time with like he recognized early on in 2020 to 21 that Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly were a really great combo. And that quickly could play off ball, but also bring the ball up a little bit. You know, this is back in the is quickly a point guard era, obviously, which now I think we can definitively say like, yeah, he he 100% is. He just is more than that. You know, he's a combo guard in the truest sense of the word. And like, but he would go to that lineup consistently. And granted, that was his dynamic duo off the bench, but he at least acknowledged that those two played really well together and tried to get them as much time on the floor together as possible. It just seems like with the Brunson and quickly thing, it's like he's begrudgingly giving them X number of minutes, even though Tibbs loves to cite like, oh, the net ratings and this, that, the other. It's those times where you look at it and you say, like, are you even looking at the net ratings? Because if you were, you would see that these two guys have like probably the best net rating of any two man unit on your team and of most teams in the NBA. And yet you're going to it as little as possible. It doesn't make any sense, you know? So I'm totally with you, dude. Like, this game was kind of proof positive, too, of, like, if you don't start good, you put yourself in a position to not end good. You know, like, if you come out there and you're kind of flat and you get torched by, you know, a really good young team like the Thunder, chances are, like, that team is hungry and they're good 
and they're one of the best teams in the NBA right now. Like they're not going to let you back. So you can't, you can't come out there soft right away. You can't come out with, with that, with anything but your best lineup. Um, so even if they ultimately kept RJ out there, which may would not be my favorite move, like at least moving quickly into the starting lineup, I feel like has to happen, but there is a world where I could see like what you said, you know, moving Josh Hart in the starting lineup too. like, just say, screw it, screw egos, screw contracts. Let's just do what's best for basketball and then allow DiVincenzo and RJ and uh, Grimes to come off the bench and ha- become the new synergized bench unit. Uh, I There's a chance where that would maybe work for all parties involved. It would just be a matter of like, is everyone willing to put aside their pride? And that starts with Tibbs with his pride first off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think Josh Hart is essential to making that work because his energy, his versatility defensively. And, and we saw, especially tonight against a team that like, like if teams try to go small against the Knicks, like Hart can feast, like he, he can hold his own on defense. And those are the types of teams like he's going to have those coast to coast forays against. Like it's a little bit harder against the Bucks with all their size all their athleticism, the thunder, like that's totally plausible. And he did that over and over again tonight, whether he was scoring, whether he was assisting, like it was a really solid effort from him. And I I think he, he rounds out that duo of quickly and Brunson really nicely. And you have real size and real physicality um, with Randall and Hartenstein. I'm at the big spots. Um, I don't know about you, Alex. I think that that's pretty much all I have to say on this game that in, in some ways was, uh, a miserable experience in some ways, a tantalizing experience, but I think it showed again against a legit top five team in basketball, what the Knicks can be and what the Knicks can do even without Mitchell Robinson, if they just get their best lineups out there. Yep. I I'm totally with you. I don't have too much more to say either. I think it's just a matter of there's gotta be some better adjustments made. You know, the Knicks it's, we said in after the Christmas game, like, you know, statement win, they finally broke through. They finally beat one of the best teams in the league, but, now they figure out how to do that consistently if they want to find that next gear. And again, you know, like you just said, it's it's going to be hard to totally find what your best self can be if you're not doing it with one of your best players missing, which like whatever people want to say about Mitchell, oh, he can't, he's a zero on offense, blah, blah, blah. Like he was one of the most important players on this team for the time that he was on the floor this year. And he's like sorely, sorely missed right now. So it's tough to totally say like, they're going to be able to find the best version of themselves this year and become a true like contender esque team uh, this year. But if they want to continue at least being in the ball game, they got to start finding the ways to put the best players and the best combinations that they have out there as much as possible. And I think that that's, that's a failure on Tibbs right now to do that. And we saw that in this game where the times when the, <clears throat> excuse me, the times when the best combinations were out there, they played better. And the times when they weren't was when they, fell apart and ultimately lost the game at the beginning and at the end. So uh, anyway, we'll be back with uh, more great content for you guys. We're probably going to do a, a double recap on Monday uh, where we're going to break down the two games over the weekend. I think we're going to do new year's resolutions early in that case. So we're going to release new year's resolutions before the new year, just because the way that the games are staggered, it would make kind of difficult for us to do it anytime other than that before uh, the end of the year. So we're going to, Release that on Friday for you guys. Uh, And uh, we'll have plenty of great stuff coming up next week and beyond, of course, uh, here for you guys five days a week. So thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out, everybody.